What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC, and here is your top five at five. Breaking news happening now. The FDA updating its emergency use authorization for two key vaccines in the fight against the pandemic. This coming as another major company delays its return to office plans until early next year. On Wall Street, stocks eking out even more all-time highs, but the real action is in commodities. We'll show you where. Shares of Disney surging after only what can be described as a magical quarter. And your exclusive insider buying segment has something this week that has never, ever happened before. What it is and the stocks the big wigs are buying. It is Friday the 13th. But don't be scared because Worldwide Exchange begins right now. Spooky music on the Friday the 13th. By the way, thanks to our market guru, Peter Schacknow, tends to be a very good day for the equity markets. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan, and happy Friday the 13th. Well, here's Sell Your Money. The global markets are setting up their day. Stock futures, they are up fractionally again. The juggernaut market rally may roll on again today. Why do we call it a juggernaut? Well, The Dow and the S&P coming off their 42nd and 58th record highs of the year, respectively. We are seeing Dow futures up 49, NASDAQ up 13 points. Wow. Now, the action this week may be although not about stocks, about the stuff you can maybe hold in your hand or your cup. Commodities. First up, lumber. So much for its red-hot run. Lumber futures now at their lowest level since January of last year, down 13 of the past 14 weeks, down 10% alone this week. Cocoa going the other way, hitting its highest level since March, up nearly 5% this week and on track for its fourth straight weekly game. And whether you're drinking hot cocoa or that cup of coffee you might be holding in your hand, they're both likely to get more expensive. Coffee futures up nearly 8% this week and up nearly 50% so far this year. Coffee. Hey, watch Starbucks, Dunkin' Brands, and others. And in stocks, and maybe going to help the markets today, Disney, out with blowout earnings. Sales booming. Parks, they're full once again. And Disney Plus subscribers doubling over the past year. We'll get much more on Disney and its quarter later on, but that stock is up 5% to 188.40. But we begin this Friday morning with breaking news out of the FDA regarding a potential third dose of some vaccines. Contessa Brewer is here now with more on that and more news on the fight against COVID-19. 
Contessa, good morning. Brian, good morning to you. The FDA amended its emergency use authorization for both the Pfizer-BioNTech and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines to allow immunocompromised people to get a third booster dose. The late night release comes just a day before the CDC's Independent Advisory Committee is set to consider and vote on the new vaccine guidelines for those with weakened immune systems. Meanwhile, the rise in infections means more than 90% of U.S. counties now meet the CDC threshold for indoor mask wearing. New Orleans and San Francisco have joined other major cities to require vaccinations for restaurants and gyms and other venues. And also breaking late yesterday, the Supreme Court will not block Indiana University's vaccine policy that requires all students get a shot to attend classes in the fall semester. It's the first decision by the high court on this hot button issue. It was directed to Judge Amy Coney Barrett, the justice in charge of that region. And and remember, she was a professor at Notre Dame, so she has some experience in academia and the rigors required when you have a campus full of young people. And Facebook is now the latest company to delay return to office plans for some U.S. and international employees. They're delaying that to January 2022. Brian, they had anticipated they would have 50 percent of their people back by September and then a full return by October. It's not happening now because of the Delta variant. I have a feeling there may be more companies that certainly follow suit. Contessa Brewer, thank you. We'll see you in a few minutes. Contessa, appreciate it. Okay. All right, now to your money. And as always, we always try to make it Opportunity Friday here on Worldwide Exchange, bringing you stocks and picks and sectors all show long. And your first guest today says it may be all about airlines, semiconductors, and real estate investing, even with all the concerns around the COVID comeback. Vance Howard of Howard Capital Management joining us once again. Vance, good to have you back on. Listen, a lot of concerns about COVID and variants, this one, the next one, travel, maybe shutting back down. You heard the Facebook news, but that is not scaring you off airline stocks. Why not? Well, good morning to you, Brian. It's good to see you again. Um, They don't scare us at all. You've seen sort of a tick up in COVID, which is concerning, but you've also seen the airlines tick down with COVID almost in in tandem. And we think this is going to end. If we can get a little bit of relief from the COVID uptick that we're seeing, we think that JETS, J-E-T-S, which is the ETF that we like that owns a a bushel of these airline stocks, that's going to make a a good move up, maybe a 5, 10, 15 percent pop. If we can get a real, little bit of relief from COVID, we think that's what's holding down sectors such as uh, the airlines. And does that go for real estate as well, particularly not, not housing, but I'm talking about commercial real estate, real estate investment trust, REITs? You know, they're looking better and better. I like the residential real estate looks better to us than the commercial real estate. Uh, you know, we talk to more and more businesses throughout the course of the week and they're just not all that interested in renting space right now, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be a tick up commercial real estate because there probably will be over time. But this variant is putting some pressure on that. But I think it's a pretty solid buy here if you're looking long term. You know, I see the market, Brian, being up five to 10 percent before the end of the year. Our proprietary indicator, the HCM byline is positive. That's a non-emotional indicator. That gives us a good trend that the market's moving higher. And, you know, if you'll recall, Brian, when the last time you and I spoke, I said we would hit about 4,400 on the S&P by midsummer. We hit that target. Really pleased with that. Uh, we're, we're bullish going into the last two quarters of the year. Very bullish, actually. You're not worried about 
renewed lockdowns, economic downturns, delayed. You heard Contessa talk about delayed returns to the office. That is not shying you away from stocks. Why not? Not at all, because we're mathematically driven. Axiom byline is a mathematical indicator which keeps us in the market. It keeps it keeps us sane. It keeps us from making emotional guessing game decisions, and and that's been such an effective tool for us. So that's why we're not worried about it. As long as HCM byline, our proprietary indicator is positive, we'll stay long this market. Any pullback we see as a buying opportunity, and uh, we've been buying on every pullback that we've had, even though they've been quite shallow. Yeah, and some of the hottest stocks in the market have been technology stocks, but they've been semiconductor stocks, in particular NVIDIA, microchip uh-huh. technology, those types of names. That is, as I understand it, another group that you like, despite the fact they've had a pretty sizable run the last couple of weeks. Well, they have. You know, they kind of broke out of that 90-day base. We were watching that on, on the semiconductors. They broke out. We think they're going to continue to move higher. I think, again, I go back to our, our, our thesis over here is the last two quarters we think are going to pick up a lot of steam. And a lot of things have been held back, as you well know, Brian, because of the fear of the COVID. And uh, hopefully we can get a tick backwards in that, and it'll start going in the direction we want it to go, which is, you know, the opposite of up. And I mean, we'll see some of these stocks and these indexes start to make a move to the other side, which which will be a dramatic move to the upside once COVID. It starts to get a little relief from, uh, I think, a psychological effect of what's taking place in the, you know, the, uh, the tick up in COVID. All right. A bullish view there on semiconductors, residential real estate, some of the REITs, as well as the airline stocks. Vance Howard, Howard Capital Management. Vance, pleasure to have you back on. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, on tap on this busy Friday, if the shoe fits, buy it. Authentic Brands pumping up its portfolio of products to the tune of a $2.5 billion deal. We'll tell you who they are buying. Plus, a profit warning. Has this stock lower in the pre-market? There's your mystery chart. Who's the name? We're going to reveal it coming up later on. As COVID cases surge again, Hawaii taking action. And their lieutenant governor joins us next. He is also a practicing ER doctor. A very busy hour still ahead after this short break. Dow Futures, they're up. And we're back on a Friday right after this. The market doesn't joke around. So why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. All right, welcome or welcome back. Well, it is 5.12 a.m. this morning, but join us tonight for a special CNBC hour on consumer spending in America. We're hitting rising prices, rising Bitcoin, and whether small business can rise from the ashes of the pandemic. That is tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern. Kevin O'Leary, by the way, Mr. Wonderful, 
will join us. That is right after Fast Money. I will see you there for that. All right, time now for your big money movers. And today it is a bonus for stock stories of the morning. All right, here's your rundown. Stock number one, Airbnb. Second quarter revenue quadrupled, topping pre-pandemic levels as domestic travel lifted sales. But shares, shares there are down about 4%. Airbnb warns it doesn't know whether people will be willing to travel in the fall as the summer because of worrying about rising COVID cases. Stock number two, SoFi, social finance. Revenue doubled in the second quarter, but its earnings outlook this quarter slightly lighter than analysts were expecting. This was the company's first earnings report since it went public through a SPAC merger back in June. Stock number three is DoorDash. Apparently, everybody continues to order everything. Gross order volume and total orders hitting new records in the second quarter. However, DoorDash predicting a slowdown as we all take advantage of summer to actually, you know, go out. Leave the house. Go out and eat. DoorDash down 5%. And your bonus for stock is Adidas, or as some people say in Europe, Adidas, Adidasler. It's selling Reebok to authentic brands for $2.5 billion. They bought Reebok in 2006 for $3.5 billion as they look to expand their presence in America, but sales did lag, even of those of Adidas itself, and it dragged down the company's profits. So they decided to dump it off and sell it. All right, those are your big money movers. We've got a lot more to do here on Worldwide Exchange on deck. The get-out-and-travel trend boosting a few under-the-radar names you might have missed in the reopening trade, but it all has to do with travel insurance. You know, every time you book a trip, you get that little box, you want to buy insurance. What exactly is that? What does it cover? Contessa Brewer is back with that exclusive story, and we are back right after this. Today's Big Number. $2.5 trillion. That was the total U.S. budget deficit during the first 10 months of the fiscal year, according to the Treasury Department. The deficit narrowed more than 10% over the same period a year earlier. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back. Well, despite the Delta variant and COVID's resurgence, the get-out-and-travel trade remains just as strong as ever. But while we've been highlighting sectors like hotels, airlines, cruise lines, there is another area that could be getting a big bottom-line boost. Contessa Brewer is back with us with more on travel insurance, that little box that we have to check at the end of every booking. Contessa, what is it? And and, and whether you checked it or not might have really changed in the pandemic because it was when you realized, oh, wait, stuff happens here. Just when everyone thought it was safe to travel again, of course, you've got uh, Delta and demand for travel insurance is spiking. Online broker Squaremouth says sales are far exceeding where they were in 2019 before the pandemic began, up 67 percent in July alone. And desirable destinations like 
Costa Rica and Turks and Caicos and many others are now requiring that travelers who come in purchase travel insurance. And so are companies. This week, you heard from Carnival and Royal Caribbean saying unvaccinated passengers need a minimum amount of travel insurance if they're leaving from Florida. Vaccinated or not, a lot of travelers are now choosing to buy coverage. I was more concerned with the cost of having to stay an extra 10 days during a quarantine, which would have been um, a big hit for us financially that we weren't prepared for. So I was happy to have that insurance. When I talked to Michonne Hayes, she's told me that she paid $300 for her policy for this family of four, a price tag that's clearly not as bad as what she would have paid if she'd had to be quarantined in a hotel room for a week or longer, Brian. All right. So let's talk about travel insurance, because I'm the idiot that always, you know, hits yes and pays the, you know, whatever, 39 bucks. What exactly is covered under it? Are we covered if it's COVID or whatever? And how much does the cancel for any reason cost? Because now there's multiple layers. Yeah. So okay. so first of all, with coronavirus, it's likely the policy would cover you If you actually got sick with coronavirus, if you ended up having to be in the hospital, if you are diagnosed as having coronavirus, the problem is a lot of those policies don't cover if you have to quarantine, if there's a travel advisory that means that you no longer want to go to the country where you think you want to go or the city or the state, or if there are uh, border closures. And those are the cases where you would want a cancel for any reason policy. Those policies, what you pay for, it depends on how expensive your trip is, of course. But but Square Mouth tells me you can typically expect to pay, oh, about 40% more for a cancel for any reason policy. But it pays to read the fine print on this to see what it covers, what you get out of it, uh, and, the, and, and to shop around because the prices do vary on these policies. Except the fine print on insurance policies, Contessa, is like, is like reading the Magna <laughs> Carta. I know. But again, what did the pandemic show us? The pandemic showed us that you may not realize that there is a virus exclusion on your policy until you go to, to put in a claim with your insurer and, and then you're out of luck. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what else? They should just have a separate box for, you know, vi- yes, no virus. Contessa Brewer, we'll see you in a few minutes. Contessa, thank you. Okay. All right, so let's get a check down this morning's other top headlines happening out there outside of world of money and business, including the rising crisis in Afghanistan as the Taliban surges again. NBC's Francis Rivera in New York with that and more. Francis. Hi, Brian. Good morning to you. This morning, an escalating crisis in Afghanistan. President Biden is now rushing 3,000 troops to help evacuate U.S. embassy staff and American citizens out of the country. The Taliban has swiftly taken over. Now they have 12 key cities under their control. Amid the advance, the State Department is saying all Americans need to leave immediately. After battling to boot her dad from control, singer Britney Spears has handed a victory. Her father, Jamie Spears, has agreed to step down from her conservatorship, but not right away. His legal team says Mr. Spears is willing to step down when the time is right, but the transition needs to be orderly and include a resolution of matters pending before the court. Jamie has been at the helm of her estate for 13 years. Britney's lawyer filed a petition for Jamie to be removed and replaced with accountant Jason Rubin. 
A hearing has been set for next month. And finally, did you watch it last night? MLB built it, and they came. The Yankees and White Sox enter the Field of Dreams Thursday from the corn in the outfield. Kevin Cosner, who starred in the 1989 movie, led the teams out onto the game where the Yankees staged a late-game comeback, and Giancarlo Stanton's homer in the ninth put them up. But Tim Anderson wrote the perfect ending for Chicago, sending a home run into the corn. The White Sox walk off the Field of Dreams. Winners, 9-8. to eight. But regardless of the fans, the team, what an experience to be there among the cornfields there in the Field of Dreams and even watch it at home, Brian. And here's the thing. Yeah, the MLB commissioner said it's going to happen again. They're all in the works for for planning uh, 2022 sometime in the summer. I think the real winner was Kevin Costner, who we saw there, because now everyone's going to go re-rent the movie. Number two, Mm -hmm. check for ticks. Number three, (laughs) any game the Yankees lose is a good day, Francis. Well, so you say. But you know what? If you're in that setting, a movie studio could not have made that even more perfect as they did way back when. Uh, yeah, and you got to make sure the popcorn, if you buy it, is, is locally sourced. <laughs> Good point. Francis Rivera, thank you very much. That's it. Weekend. This better be Iowa popcorn. Don't bring me in anything else. All right, ahead. Buy your Christmas gifts now. Why one of America's biggest sports says more problems are coming. Plus... Is this the sign of peak everything? A 40-year-old cake just sold for 2500 bucks, and you can't even eat it. By the way, if you haven't already and you're getting back out there, follow our podcast available anywhere podcasts can be followed. It's called Worldwide Exchange. We appreciate your support. Dow Futures up, Bitcoin up. We're glad you're up, and we're back right after this. Breaking news this morning, the FDA updating its guidance when it comes to booster shots for the immunocompromised. Reaction from ER doctor and Hawaii Lieutenant Governor Josh Green straight ahead. Holy house of mouse, a breakout quarter for Disney has that stock surging in the pre-market. And your Friday exclusive insider buying report is back and this one, a doozy. Because for the first time ever, all five companies are over one million bucks in insider buying. It has never happened before, but what else would you expect on a Friday the 13th? And this is Worldwide Exchange. Welcome or welcome back and good Friday, everybody, despite it being Friday the 13th. Thank you very much for joining us. Here's how your money and the global markets are looking as we are about halfway through the 5 a.m. hour. Stock futures, they are up again. Not a lot, but they are higher. Dow futures up 52. Nasdaq up six. Again, not a lot, but they are in the green. This juggernaut market rally just continues to roll on. We have not had a 5% drop, correction, whatever you want to call it. In the S&P, since October of last year, one of the most remarkable and record runs in the 100-year history of the markets. Wow. And it's always Opportunity Friday here on WEX, trying to give you names, new things you maybe not have heard about. And so here is something you may not have been paying attention to. With Congress getting close to finalizing the big spend, investors have been buying into the infrastructure trade 
the Global X Infrastructure ETF ticker, PAVE, because you, you got to have a cute ticker, is now four weeks in a row. This will probably be the top because I said it. But either way, take a look at the PAVE ETF. It is up 7% in one month. Speaking of up, let's get to another big mover this morning. Disney shares surging 5% earnings. They just crushed it. The theme parks are booming, returning to profitability for the first time since the pandemic began. And you can also thank Baby Yoda, because Disney Plus also being a big win. The streaming service now has 116 million subscribers. And Disney CEO Bob Chapek telling Jim Cramer last night on Mad Money that streaming and parks have been the two key pieces of the puzzle over the last year and a half. We decided early on in the pandemic, rather than to put it in neutral and see what happens, to step on the gas. Step on the gas on the two biggest initiatives that we have going on in the company. One is obviously our direct-to-consumer proposition with Disney+, Plus, but also in our theme park business. All right, joining us now to talk about it and break down these numbers, Tuna Moby, Senior Media and Entertainment Analyst at CFRA. Tuna, it's great to have you back on. Uh, I tried last night, I promise, I tried to find a hole in the numbers, kind of dug through. I thought, where's the weakness? It was hard to find. How good of a quarter was this for Disney? Brian, good morning. No, I think you said it right. They crushed it and it was uh, a blowout quarter on any number of fronts. Um, you know, obviously, theme parks, I think if you were waiting for any evidence that the consumer is still out there itching to get out, I mean, you saw the uh, significant rebound over there and the direct-to-consumer, that was really off the charts. So if we were, if we were trying to, you know, quibble for any kind of uh, uh, thing that might have not gone as well, the media networks, they had huge um, swing in, in, in terms of the uh, uh, profits there, in terms of the losses because of the uh, production spend that they ramped up with the return of uh, programming and live sports. Uh, but all in all, I thought it was a blowout quarter. I really showed why Disney's trading at such a high premium everyone else, over everyone else. Yeah, I mean, parks up, streaming up, 116 million subs there, 174 when you combine Hulu, ESPN Plus, and whatever. But, Tuna, is... Is Disney making money from streaming at whatever, $6.99 a month there for, for ESPN? Are, are, is that a profitable business or is it still about just acquiring subscribers at this point? It's going to be about acquiring subscribers for the next few years. But even on the bottom line number, you said that the losses there are really uh, reducing very drastically uh, thanks to Hulu. Uh, you're not going to see Disney Plus uh, you know, get to profitability probably in the next uh, three years at least uh, as they continue to roll out a lot of international markets all the way through uh, next year, maybe towards the middle of next year. Uh, that being said, I think streaming is now going to be the big kahuna when you think about theme parks. Investors used to see that perhaps one third of the overall uh, Disney revenues. Now you're seeing on the revenue side, streaming starting to overtake, uh, you know, the theme parks and other divisions. So that tells us that uh, the pivoting to streaming is going extremely well. The profits are going to catch up uh, much sooner than later. And that will justify the premium multiple that investors have been assigning to the stock. Yeah, what do we do with the stock, though? I mean, is is it kind of like peak everything right now? This is good as it's going to get? I mean, that's the question. How much better can it get for Disney? 
It's a question, Brian, that a lot uh, of, of good is already being priced in, but I would not by any uh, means describe it at this point as priced to perfection just because of the fact that Disney Plus um, is still, I'd say, at most in the, in the third or fourth inning of its rollout. That means that um, as they continue to roll out this, uh, this service um, and as operating leverage continues to kick in, uh, remember, you know, the, the, the theme parks, um, they're still way off their uh, peak attendance level and margin level as, as, as the consumer continues to come back. Um, you're going to see operating leverage lift uh, the entire boat and, um, and the streaming when they turn profit. Um, I think it's going to be really something special. Well, stock is uh, certainly special this morning, too, and it's up 5%, one of the biggest moves we have seen in Disney. A Dow component, by the way, in a long time. Tuna Moby of CFRA. Tuna, pleasure to see you again. Thank you. Thank you. All right, now let's turn to more. You're welcome. Now let's turn to more on the COVID fight and some breaking news this morning. The FDA amending the emergency use authorization for both the Pfizer-BioNTech and Moderna vaccines to allow some immunocompromised people to get a third booster dose. The late-night release comes a day before the CDC's Independent Advisory Committee set to consider and vote on that decision. Also, breaking late yesterday, the Supreme Court will not block Indiana University's vaccine policy, requiring that all students receive a vaccine to attend classes in the fall. That is the first decision by the Supreme Court on this hot-button issue. All this coming as cases rise across America, and that includes Hawaii. Cases surging there, despite having a higher vaccination rate than the national average, cases are soaring. And Hawaii going back to 50% capacity for bars and restaurants to try to fight it. Joining us now to talk more about it is practicing ER physician and Hawaii Lieutenant Governor, Dr. Josh Green. He is also the state's COVID-19 liaison. Dr. Green, I know it's late there. Uh, it's an important topic. We certainly appreciate you joining us for our global audience here on CNBC. Uh, your numbers on an absolute basis are not high, but the percentages are certainly scary. Can you give us an update on the current situation, hospitalization capacity, ICU usage, etc.? Thank you, Brian, for having me. Uh, first of all, great show. Uh, we're we're going through a surge. It's the Delta surge. We've seen uh, this happen all across the country. We went from somewhat like sixty-one cases a month ago on on average to five hundred and forty-nine cases yesterday. So relatively speaking, it's a big surge. Of course, we're managing. Uh, we're a small state, though. We only have 1.4 million people. We had a surge uh, last July 4th. Then we had one, as you show there, in January over the, the Christmas, New Year's holiday. And then now after July 4th again. Uh, it's all Delta. We are third best in the nation for vaccinations. We're at, I think, 68.7% of all of our population at least getting one shot. But those who are not vaccinated, which is a third of our population, are getting the Delta variant and they're going to the hospital, they're quite sick. 91.3% of all of our hospitalizations are people who have not been vaccinated at all. And 97% of all wow. of our cases are people who have not been vaccinated. So it's kind of playing out in Hawaii like it did elsewhere and we'll make it through, but lots of people in the hospital. This is an incredibly important point, Dr. Green, that you are making because we are seeing things canceled. I'm going to a conference, by the way, next week. Everybody's required to be vaccinated to go to the conference, but there's still a lot of concern. And there is some breakthrough cases, but the numbers, 
Let's be honest. They are very, very small. And the cases that do occur, they are, according to CDC and hospitals, very mild. Again, to reiterate, the folks that are getting sick and that are going to the hospital, they are over 90% the unvaccinated. That's right, 91.3%. And it's a, it's a big problem because it's not just those who have COVID that are going to the hospital, but our hospital beds are filling up. And therefore, when I was on call this last Saturday, I treated a 74-year-old gentleman without COVID, fully vaccinated, had a big heart attack, and I was unable to transfer him for several hours to our main hospital here on Oahu where he needed uh, cardiac care. So it has collateral uh, impact when you have this many people in the hospital. So everyone across the country should be aware wow. of that. I know there's been a lot of reporting in the South and Texas where some of their hospitals are closing. Uh, we're bringing in 550 additional uh, critical care nurses and respiratory therapists to help support our state. FEMA is helping support us. Uh, but when you go through these surges, especially in small states, you really feel it. Uh, we welcome people to Hawaii if they're vaccinated and or if they get the pretest. So the pretest helps keep our numbers down. Only 2% of all of our cases have been travel-related. Everything else has been community spread, but it's community spread okay. amongst those who are not vaccinated. That, that, that was my next question. I mean, it's, it's, I know it's sometimes hard to know exactly where the cases begin, right? But you know who's sick, but you don't know where they got sick. So it sounds like these are not people bringing in the, the virus from uh, the mainland, J-O-J, as they say, just off the jet, right? These are maybe family clusters in Hilo, and Kona, and Oahu. That's right. So what it is, it's uh, just between 1.5 and 2% of people who are travelers to Hawaii who were either uh, had a breakthrough case or were unvaccinated. Uh, that happens very infrequently. And then about 11% of all the other cases that came were our own people traveling back from Las Vegas or Texas or Florida, beautiful places, but where they have a lot of COVID. They come back, if they were unvaccinated, they go straight into, quote, quarantine. But that quarantine means they're with their loved ones, their family, their, their co-workers, their friends. They spread it there. And then the other 87% is just pure community spread all across our state in those great places like Hilo and Kona and on Kauai and everywhere. So you can't stop this virus if you're not vaccinated, if you're not wearing a mask, if you're not doing smart things. And we now have decided to like you said, decrease the number of people in restaurants and also decrease our total gathering size. 10 people indoors, uh, 25 people outdoors in max gatherings. That will slow down the virus. We should see drop off in cases in the next two weeks, but it's going to be a tough two weeks for my physician colleagues and nurse colleagues in the hospital. And we are we are thinking certainly about them. Uh, Dr. Josh Green, we know it's late there. You guys have worked in the hospitals late hours as well. They're still working hard. Our best to everybody out there, the first responders, fighting the fight, saving lives on the front lines and arguably one of the most beautiful places uh, in America. Well, maybe we'll have, a, we'll have a drink in Merriman's at some point, Dr. Green, when this is all over. Appreciate the God's work that you guys are doing. Thank you. I'm going there for my anniversary tomorrow. I, I did not know that. Just lucky guess, but good pick. Dr. Green, thank you and best to you. Thank you and happy anniversary, by the way. Thank you very All right, much. Let's get some of this morning's other top stories. Sometimes you, you throw out a name and you get lucky. Contessa Brewer is back now with that and more. Contessa, I just throw out a restaurant and it happens to be where he's going for his anniversary. You can't do that. Your, your psychic ability is really amazing, Brian. I mean, just stunning. Or Truly. psycho. Yeah. Shall we move on to the news? 
The uh, the port of Los Angeles, Brian, says it's bracing for more shipping nightmares akin to what we saw during the height of the pandemic in 2020 because of new Delta outbreaks in two of the largest ports in China. Volumes in L.A. were already down significantly in June because of outbreaks. And now shippers are adding covid contract clauses as insurance so they don't have to pay extra when ships get stranded waiting to get into port. Wow. Boeing Starliner space capsule launch could reportedly be delayed by several months. According to the Wall Street Journal, the delays stem from some much-needed repairs on the craft. Earlier this month, Boeing scrubbed the launch of its highly anticipated CST-100 Starliner to the International Space Station after discovering a glitch in its propulsion systems during a pre-launch check. And a slice of cake from the 1981 wedding of Prince Charles and Princess Diana just sold for $2,565 at auction. The 28-ounce slice from the occasion was expected to sell for about 700 bucks, but bidding more than tripled. Oh, the slice comes from one of the 23 official cakes made for the royal wedding and has a white marzipan base features a coat of arms in red, gold, blue, and silver. Does it really matter what the frosting is? If you're not, you're just going to look at it and say, hey, you want to see what I have in my freezer? I'm assuming it's in a freezer. Or maybe it's freeze-dried. Uh, yeah, okay, that's it. Where, that's, that was my Where has this cake been? That it's been around for, four, like, liquid nitrogen? Some sort of space locker? Who's Somebody, storing this Somebody's holding on to it. Where? And saying, how, how do you do that? Brian, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Let me ask you this. If you, maybe you're the buyer, you're, you're successful, rich, I don't know. Would you eat it? I might. I mean, if I paid 2,500 bucks for a piece of cake, it's mine to taste. <laughs> we'll send it to Dr. Green. It's his, it's his anniversary. And I just guessed the, randomly guessed the restaurant. He could have the cake and, and by the way, and eat it too. Contessa, and eat it you. too, right. You see what I did there, Contessa? You see? Come on now. We need a vlog. Coming up, rates are surging as supply chain shocks rear their ugly head once again. <laughs> Details and the stocks to watch in the shipping sector straight ahead. Now to perhaps the most important story in the world that is not getting the attention it deserves the still skyrocketing cost of shipping. A 40-foot shipping container, one of those big metal boxes you see everywhere, from China to the U.S., now may cost 20000 bucks to rent. Consider last year, they were three or $4,000. It's putting holiday shipping and holiday shopping at risk. But it is not just that. The cost of liquefied natural gas and those ships has soared from 5 bucks to more than 15 per unit of LNG. So with all these insane prices, are there companies who may win from this? Let's bring back in Randy Gibbons of Jeffrey's been following this for a while. Some of his stock picks, they have certainly turned out very well, Randy, and we and our audience appreciate it. Any sign that these prices are slowing down? I mean, this is just getting bonkers at this point. Hey, yeah, great to see you, Brian. Uh, a few things are going on, obviously on the container side. Demand remains robust, right? Everyone wants all of these goods from Amazon and Walmart and Target, and they have to get them from Asia, right? So you've continued to see increased spending on goods. 
especially now with lockdowns looming, um, back to school shopping going, holiday shopping about to get into full force. And the supply of, of ships, the container ships, is very low for the time being. We're looking at two to three years until you start to see some new build orders. So for the container rates, the container shipping goods, that is certainly going to be strong at least until next Chinese New Year, right? You have port congestion extremely high and all of these other factors. So our favorite pick there is certainly Zim, integrated shipping, ticker Z-I-M, and Denouse shipping, ticker D-A-C. Now you mentioned LNG and nat gas, right? What a difference a year makes. A year ago, I'm here in Texas, we were giving away crude and nat gas. Now you're at multi-year highs for both of those commodities, right? Nat gas is above $4 um, MMB to you. International LNG prices are above $15 per MMB to you. So pretty massive spread there. And what you're seeing is additional U.S. LNG exports going out the door, not much new production mm-hmm. here. So that's certainly rising nat gas prices here in the U.S. And same abroad, right? When you had a very, very harsh winter back in January, February. Yeah. Throughout Asia, throughout Europe. But Randy, Europe, does that, does that, inventory. does that, the commodity, the com, okay, the commodity is up and had the spike came down, but is, is rising. We saw the graphic. But does that translate to the shippers, the ones you covered? Do, do they make more money from it? Absolutely. Right. So the biggest thing is a geographical arbitrage opportunity. Put it simply, it's cheaper in one region than it is in another. And that's what you're seeing on that chart there as well. When you see the Northwest European price at a discount to the JKM or the Japan Korea marker, the Asian LNG price. So the only way to capture that spread is to put it on a large LNG carrier. You basically take the molecules, take the LNG at a lower price from Europe, ship it over to Asia, and now you have that R window. So that's one reason that shipping rates remain elevated. The next one, yeah. as Proverbs 6, you got to increase your inventories in the summer to prepare for the winter, right? And that's what's happening throughout Europe, throughout Asia, because right now the market's in contango. Not talking about dancing yeah. and tango. Tango. The prices forward are higher than they are currently. So these importing nations in Europe and Asia say, you know what? We better get our LNG today before prices go higher in future months. And that is pushing up shipping rates because the only way to replenish inventories is by importing more LNG on these LNG carriers. And a few top picks there. Yeah, you know, you amazing. Have, you have Gaslog Partners as Randy, pure we, play. We got, Randy, we, we got to leave it there, my friend. We know one of your top picks is, is uh, Golar. Sounds like somebody Golar. Godzilla would fight. Oh, here comes Golar. Be careful. Uh, and TK will watch the containers as well. Huge story, inflationary. Big news. Randy Givens, Jeffries. Randy, we got to leave it there. Thank you very much, my friend. Take care. Thank you. All right, coming up, your weekly insider buying segment with something that has never, ever happened before. Time now for your weekly exclusive insider buying segment. The top five companies where the C-suite executives are buying the most of their own stock with their own money. And this is a very special week. Because for the first time ever since we began doing this about a year ago, all top five buys are more than a million dollars. Literally never happened before. Maybe, just maybe it shows a lot of bullishness from the insiders that know more than all of us. So let's get right to it with our thanks to insiderscore.com and count you down five to one. 
Stock five, iHeartMedia. CEO Bob Pittman, well-known name, stepping up again his third buy since the fourth quarter of last year. Stock four, ConocoPhillips, board member and former Anadarko CEO, making the biggest ever buy in ConocoPhillips insider history, $1.25 million. Dun & Bradstreet, CEO buying just under $2 million. By the way, if the name sounds familiar, it is. We've hit this name a few times with insider buys in the last year or so. Stock number two, Activision Blizzard, or as they say, Blizzard, a board member making another buy, doubling down on a buy back in May, and the most insider buying this week. You can see the A, you see the O, there it is, Aon, the chairman, Lester Knight, buying $2.6 million. By the way, that is Lester Knight's 10th insider buy in over 10 years, and he's buying with the stock at an all-time high price. Something to watch. There you go. iHeartMedia, ConocoPhillips, DNB, Activision Blizzard, and Aon, the top five insider buys of the week. And our thanks, as always, to InsiderScore.com, a segment you only see right here on WEX. All right, let's get back now to the trading day ahead. Joining us now once again, RBC Capital Markets, head of derivative strategy, Amy Wu Silverman, who has her crystal ball in the options market. Because options know all. So, Amy, from a macro perspective, what are options bets telling you, maybe, about the future direction of stocks right now? Okay, so looking into this crystal ball, which, you know, we refer to as implied volatility, uh, you know, through your end, the biggest concern, the biggest pickup and hedging activity, Brian, is all in the value trade. So we talk about the rotation uh, options clearly much more concerned about value and the reopening than they are about growth. Are people paying up in the options market for bets to hedge against the surge of COVID and potentially new lockdowns? They are. And, you know, that's one thing we weren't sure about. You know, our own uh, head of biotech research is saying that Delta variant will peak uh, Labor Day, you know, which is earlier than I think the options market is, in fact, pricing. And if you look at it, one thing that is even more concerning is this really started off on the index and ETF level, broad-based hedges in retail, in IWM, but we are now seeing this pick up on individual stocks as well. So yesterday and today, we're starting to see hedging demand pick up specifically in the airlines as well, not just on the ETF level. What kinds of trades are people paying for? Are people generally paying more for puts, betting against things, or paying more for calls, betting on things from a very basic level, obviously? Very basic level, paying much more for puts, and then the amount they're paying is starting to rise. Now, we're not at what I would characterize as peak worry. So, you know, to give you kind of a dollars and cents example, right now, one S&P put if you sold it, you can buy about 15 equivalent S&P calls. That metric was as high as 30 times two months ago, right? So we're not at peak worry, but that number continues to rise, which means people are willing to pay more and more to own a little protection against downside right now. Amy Wu Silver of RBC, you call it implied volatility. We call it crystal ball. I think crystal bars, ball is better for marketing, but you, you, you do you. You're probably right. Amy Wu Silverman. <laughs> Probably right, yeah. RBC's Crystal Ball with Amy Lewis Silver. We just branded a segment. Amy, have a great day. Thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it. 
Folks, that does it for us here on WEX. I will see you for Fast Money at 5 p.m. and a special CNBC hour at 6 p.m. tonight. So be sure to tune in and record that if you're going out. Thanks for joining us here, by the way, in the morning. See you tonight. Squawk Box is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.